Hello and welcome to our podcast, Coping with the Next Chapter. We are your hosts, Justine T. And Justine D. To begin, let's present ourselves. We are final year nursing students at McGill University and more recently, podcast host. We have developed this project in partnership with OpenCope, an organization that strives to help individuals at all ages cope with cancer by providing resources, activities, and support. Our goal with this podcast is to create a space for sharing experiences related to coping with cancer. First, a disclaimer. Please note that this is a student project. Although we strive to ensure the products are accurate, ethical, and credible, by using the products, the user is responsible for possible errors, omissions, and outcomes that can be present inadvertently. Thank you so much, Deborah, for being with us today. Um, we'll just start off by you having you telling us a little bit about yourself, if that's possible. Sure. So basically, um, I am dealing with um, a problem, some uh, some tumors in my around my hilaire, around the esophagus. So it's causing me to. Uh, this year, I lost my voice because I have a paralyzed vocal cord due to a lymph node pressing on a nerve, pressing on my vocal cord. I've already had one injection from uh, a doctor at the MUHC. Um, I'm on a treatment called Fresenio. I've been on that for almost two years now. I had a lot of struggle with it last year in 2021. Um, I think I've kind of like balanced out now in 2022. Um, so, okay, I'll go, I'll go f quickly from the beginning. So in 1994, I was 30 years old. I was um, a newly single mom with two young daughters. And um, I was diagnosed with stage three metastatic, uh, sorry, stage three breast cancer. Um, I ended up having you know, the, the, the normal protocol, which was like the surgery, the chemotherapy, the radiation therapy. And I was good after that for about four years. The fourth year I had a recurrence in the same breast. And uh, I ended up having my breast removed. And I had, a, I had reconstructive surgery done at the same time as having the breast removed. So I, had, I ended up uh, going for a, a tram flap. A tram flap is when they take the fat from your own body, your, your abdomen, and you, they use the rectus muscle in your stomach, and they create a breast from your own fat. So there's no implant, there's, it's all, you know, made from me. <laughs> and I ended up with a tummy tuck at the same time, which was awesome. Um, so I was good for about, that was 1999, so... Uh, I'd say eight years later, um, I ended up having a recurrence again, but it had gone to my brachial plexus. So it had somehow, I guess they didn't get rid of all the cancer and it traveled into my, my nerves and my neck. And I ended up um, having a lot of problems with my left arm. Uh, that's where I had the actual uh, lymph nodes removed. Um, and that was in 2007 and in 2013 I ended up having another recurrence in my chest wall 
So I had that removed. I had brachytherapy, um, which was perfect. It really went well. I had two treatments a day for six days in a row. Um, after that, everything was good until 2015. 2015, it, um, 2015, what happened was I started losing uh, function to my arm, my whole arm. And I had a lot of pain in my, my hand. And uh, I, had a, I had a hard time lifting my arm. And then all of a sudden, I just had no function at all. So I've lost complete function now since 20, 2015. I uh, started on another uh, treatment. Um, I won't name all the treatments that I've been through. But in 2018, um, I had um, another recurrence. But this time they started me on, um, no, in 20, sorry, in 2015, they started me on a, on a chemotherapy, an oral chemo. And um, then I had, I was off of it for a couple of months. And in 2018, one of my scans showed that I was really, really good. A couple of months later, it showed that I had like tumors everywhere in my, my ribs, my spine, my stomach, my lung. And uh, so they started me back on the Zolota, which was the, the oral chemo. And uh, I think by 2019, I had um, complete remission from this drug. It was a great drug. It just stopped working for me after a while. So in 2021, that's when all this started with the, uh, the problem in my, you know, in my chest. And uh, I started on the Verzenio. And uh, that's where I'm at right now. What does it mean to you to be a cancer survivor? Um, I don't consider myself as a cancer survivor. I consider myself as a survivor. Um, there are so many different survivors in the world. You know, there's just so much. There's, uh, you know, spousal abuse, women, women abused, children abused, um, you know, people from war. There's just so many different survivors. So I consider myself a survivor. Cancer, I feel like it's almost uh, 28 years ago, cancer was such a different word than it is now. Now it's such a, I don't know, a fluid word. You hear it everywhere. Everybody knows somebody that has it. So I feel like everybody's a survivor these days. But being a survivor, I feel like I'm more of, of a warrior. That's what I really call myself. And you mentioned being a single mom while being newly diagnosed. How did you deal with that? How did you cope? Did you find it harder than a, an average uh, cancer patient maybe? Um, you know, when I was first diagnosed, it was almost right around the time that I became a single mom. And my children were seven and three at the time. And I didn't really focus so much on the fact that I was a cancer patient with with child, young children. I just considered myself a single woman with children and trying to deal with my own health, working full time and, you know, just being the best mom that I could, get them 
helping them make sure that they were involved in everything they had to be involved in. Um, I remember in the beginning, I used to really involve them in a lot of my doctor's appointments. I wanted them to feel comfortable, to, you know, be able to go to a hospital and not be afraid. So I brought them to a lot of my uh, treatments. Yeah, and it was... Uh, it was good to do that, you know, to f make them feel comfortable and they would talk to their friends about it as they got older. Mm -hmm. You know, at each diagnosis they would, you know, they had a lot of support from their friends and other other parents, other families and so, yeah. What advice would you give to someone who is struggling to cope with a cancer diagnosis? What advice would I give? I think that I would tell them to not think of it as a death sentence because it's not. It's really, um, there are so many treatments out there. There is so much support out there. There's, there's so much hope out there and they should never think of it as a death sentence. They have to try to live If they had never been diagnosed with cancer, how would you live your life? I think we all try to live our life the best we can, but having had a cancer diagnosis, you kind of live even more fully. Mm -hmm. And to do that, because we never know when we're going to die, even if you're healthy. What about someone that's recently received a bad news um, in terms of their cancer <clears throat> treatment um, let's say like a drug isn't working anymore and they just woke up this morning and they feel like there's no more hope and you've talked about how many drugs there are out there but have you ever woken up being hopeless and what did you do what were your outlets to cope well there's There's been many times over the years that I've felt not so much hopeless, but more, um, sometimes I feel like I have the weight of the world on my shoulders and I feel like why, not why so much, it's more, I need to be here for my, my aging parents. I need to be here for my daughters who are in their thirties now. How blessed am I, right? Um, But they still need me. They're still kids. These 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 thirty year old kids are. They're still like they're in their early twenties. You know they still need me, and, I mean one of them just got married. And I know they both want to have children, so they need me. So that to me, is my. That that's what pulls me out of that. Heavy weight on my shoulder. I try to. I know that people need me. And my friends are, my friends need me. As much as they're a great support to me, I'm, I find like I end up being a great support to them too. Mm -hmm. So I, I don't know, that's, I think that's what keeps me really, really out of the dark. Mm -hmm. That's great. How has Hope and Cope helped you through your journey? Oh, I've been so lucky with Hope and Cope. You know, I met. Um, a volunteer in a tiny little room in oncology at the Jewish General Hospital. That was Hope and Cope at the time. It was a tiny little room. 
and and they were located right on the same floor as, as the oncology ward. And I met them from day one, and I just loved everything that they were doing. They had wigs in the room, they had all kinds of pamphlets, books, a little library, and they were so kind. Just loved them. And I don't know, we just clicked up right away. They, uh, they took my name down, they saw how positive I was, they, they saw that, they, I think they saw in me what I saw in them. <laughs> I saw that, oh, these guys could be really good for me. And I think they looked at me and they said, they, this girl could be really good for us. <laughs> so we kind of like, from day one, honestly, from day one, 28 years ago, we connected. And these people have been by my side. They've done so much for me. And I'll do anything for them. You know, I just get one phone call, one email from them. Can you? And I, yes, I can. <laughs> I love them. Can you give us, can you give us concrete examples of what Hope and Cope has done for you or what you sure. do for them? And for someone who wants to get involved in the cause or a new cancer <coughs> patient wants to, to, to be a part of the family, do you want to give an example of what sure. you guys do? I mean, I have tons of examples, but I guess... So a couple that come to mind right away is because they saw the potential in what I could offer other patients, they encouraged me to become part of, like taking roles, taking roles in being a, le a leader in support groups, helping other people, um, calling other women, calling calling other women's husbands to to offer comfort, support. Um, they were always encouraging me to take on roles, you know, to, to help others. Um, when there was there was different conferences happening across Canada, they they saw one particular conference that they thought would be fabulous for me. It was called the Young and the Breastless, and this this conference um, was for women, um, young women across Canada. That had a, that had um, all had mastectomies or or that had been uh, you know a survivor of cancer and uh, so they sent me to Vancouver and I was uh, involved in this conference and it was oh my god amazing experience of my life and I brought back you know what I had learned from this four-day conference or four or five-day conference and I wrote a, I think I wrote a, like a blurb for their newsletter. And, and then I got involved in the newsletter. I, I touched on everything in Hope and Cope. I really did. I volunteered in the hospital for two years um, to uh, work in the, the young adult clinic. I was very involved in young adults because I was young when I was first diagnosed. And as the stages would go through, you know, I had young children so I would get involved with groups that, of parents that had young children. So I was always involved in different things. Then they, you know, started to encourage me to get involved in the fundraising part of, you know, fun, fundraising for young adults with cancer. So I started getting involved with that. Um, you know, there, I know that they could use so many, uh, there's so many roles that, that people, if they wanted to get involved in, they can, you know, mm -hmm. to 
they just have to, I guess, call the organization and ask, what can I do? Or the organization may ask them, what can, what do you think you could do for us, you know? So. It seems like even with your cancer, you really delve right into the community. Do you feel like sometimes it brings you down or do you really just see it? Because I admire your positivity regarding cancer, really. I think, I think I don't know if it's your personality or if it's like your, your 28 years of being in the community, but do you find some days it's difficult or do you really just thrive on, on the, the difficulties? If that makes you know sense? what? I think uh, rather than thrive, um, I think it's just something that's a part of me that wants to give back. I want to be there to help other people. A lot of people, of friends and family, have even asked me, do I find it too much to always be never getting out of the cancer world? Unfortunately, I've never got out of the cancer world because I've continuously had recurrences, and in 2007 I became metastatic. So I'm not out of the cancer world, and I think this is my way of, giving giving back because I feel so blessed to still be relatively healthy mm -hmm. and to help those that are feeling hopeless so I feel like that's my job it's not a job it's it's I mean I don't even work I I don't know I just feel comfortable being around other patients that are going through offering advice, offering support, offering hope. Mm -hmm. I, it's to me, it's just, it's not really that I thrive on it. It's more that I just, it's I'm very comfortable with it. So it seems like you're comfortable mentoring patients. What's the first thing you want to know about a patient what, that you feel like could help them when you first meet someone new that's struggling? What do you do? What's, what do you think they want? Well, often I like to know their age because I like to know what part of my diagnosis I can relate to them. Mm. You know, I was in my 30s. I was in my 40s. I'm in my 50s. I'm approaching 60. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like I, would, I like to know their age so I can relate to what, where they are. How, how old are their kids? Uh, do they have support? Are they married? Are they single? Um, it just helps me to know where I could kind of like be of help to them in what area. Um, obviously, it's always good to know their history of, of how they became sick. If they're you know, if they've if they're still struggling with a diagnosis that happened ten years ago, and they're you know they're they're okay, but they're they're just not handling it well, or if they've just recently been diagnosed metastatic, you know I'm I've touched on a lot of different things in cancer, so I feel that whatever is going on in their life, I can kind of like mm, relate. Yeah, from the beginning, mm -hmm. I. S I feel like I had all these different tribes of women, you mm. know, mm -hmm. or not even 
I mean women, but a lot of like, I have one tribe and it's mostly couples, but I somehow, these are, these people are my, they lift me, mm-hmm. you know, like, like I have one uh, set of girls that I hang out with a lot. One is metastatic and the other two have, uh, they had the BRCA gene. So they had their breasts mm-hmm. and their ovaries and the whole kit and caboodle mm-hmm. removed. And um, one of them, she has two daughters around the same age as a little younger than my daughters. And uh, she wanted to, have, like, because she was tested with the BRCA gene, she wanted to have her daughters tested. And one of them doesn't have it and one of them does have it. So, you know, I think we support each other really well. Even though they never had cancer, to me, it's almost like they did have cancer, right? They were like, they touched, they were touching it. So, I don't know, I'm, I guess what I'm telling you all this is that between my family, like my parents have been my, like, <laughs> my pillars. Mm-hmm. They're like my pillars, they are amazing. My kids have been so much to me. And my friends, my, my girlfriends, my guy friends, like I've just had such support over the years that being in the cancer world all those years, it doesn't feel like it because I, so, I have such a life aside from the cancer, even though often it touches cancer. So I don't know, mm-hmm. that's, I just wanted to add that because I think that's really been a, an important part. Aside from Hope and Cope, my family and my friends have been yeah. number one in my life that have really lifted me. Yeah. yeah. Thank you so much for sharing your experience with us, Deborah. We invite all listeners to go to the podcast forum on our podcast website to share your reflections to this week's episode, ask us questions, and connect with other people from Hope and Cope community. We hope to see you there. Thank you for listening.